We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the podcast known... As what's the good word? Oh, I was doing a dramatic pause, well, and instead you interrupted me. If you're going to lay it up, I'm going to have to knock it you down. you got to let that dramatic pause. Okay. Welcome to the podcast known as What's a Good Word, a podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. My name is Steven. I'm the alum. His name is Joshua. He is the fan. Joshua, what's a good word? To hell with Georgia. And that was quite the Well, quite listen, the speedy you interrupted delivery. my dramatic pause. So I just thought we might as well get through it because I didn't want to get past a minute where people go, I'm going to turn this off if they keep yammering on and on because our last show did yammer. I yammered at the end. So I, I have a try to, get to do to it, it as well. Joshua, welcome to the recruiting episode. The recruiting of Bonanza Extravaganza. There you go. The, the recruiting cornucopia, the recruiting buffet. We are going to talk all things recruiting, the recruiting window this is a big day. We are recording this on Wednesday and posting it Wednesday night. We waited as long as we could because, so that we could get as many names as we could. Because today, on Wednesday, it was early National Signing Day. That's right. Early which is National Signing a Day. A lot of football players have kind of because signing day is in February, but early signing day has become signing day, more or less. This is when a lot of people kind of lock themselves. So February in. is when they flip. February is when no, they decommit I'll, and recommit. So I'm going to go ahead and cover this now. But all these guys have signed NLIs, the National Letter of Intent. That mean it's basically a contract between them and the school. If they want to go to a different school, it takes a lot more to go to that school now. So they have put their pen to paper, which is hilarious because of the transfer portal. So basically, they're if they've put their pen to paper, they are committed for at least their freshman year. Then they can yeah. go enter the transfer yes. portal. So all right. Interesting. So we are going to talk about recruiting, and we're going to do it right at the beginning. Joshua, I'm going to interview you because you are the one who keeps track of it more than anything. After we talk about recruiting, we will talk basketball, both men's and women's basketball. Mm -hmm. uh, they have been in action, and they're about to be in action. So we, like I said, we are recording this on Wednesday in the evening. It, it, it probably will be the least edited show we ever do because we're going to probably post it almost immediately after finishing recording so that we can be out there while this is top news of the day. Yeah. So Joshua, before you go through the list and we will have a list and we will find out who made the list of Georgia tech recruiting class. Um, I wanted to interview you real quick and just ask a few questions. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, before you go through any of the names, give us your honest, uh, you know, honest biased opinion as a fan how did we do both uh, in bringing in transfers and the early signings and who we lost in the transfer portal? Do we want to do a letter grade or just your thoughts I, and opinions? So grades, I don't like letter grades because yeah. they're they're so ambiguous. Um, in terms of who Tech's losing, they have not. They a bunch more people have entered the portal. I believe Tech's up to fifteen total players in the portal now. None of them are guys that were going to make an impact in the next year. There were some that was like, well, maybe they could become a little something. Other than? Other than Keenan Johnson and Kyle Kennard. But those are the two kids that have only already committed. 
Um, everybody else is still in the portal. Every they were all kids that you know probably weren't going to see a ton of playing time next year and potentially even the year after that. And so that's probably why they hopped in the portal. Um, as for the kids coming in, they've made some splashes. Nothing that's really made me like perk up and go, holy crap! Like there's no there's no Haynes King in this in this transfer right. portal class yet. But there are a couple guys that I I am very intrigued by. Okay. Uh, it, it's yeah. So it would seem like it could be a functional class, a, a, well, a good functioning class. And the portal but class, but it's not a splash. The class. portal class is still developing. Yeah. The freshman class, I think, actually has a shot to be a. Uh, this is the pretty one good. of the, this is one of the better classes that we've seen Tech bring in. Okay. In terms of at least national recruiting services. Who is the biggest surprise that you're like? I kind of wasn't expecting us to get. Uh, or is the surprise that this is who I was hoping would commit and they did? So who who would you say is the biggest surprise? So I've got one class? for each. Um, for the first one, the one that I didn't expect, I hadn't heard this kid's name at all. Amontre Bradford flipped on signing day, flipped today. Okay. He was committed to Colorado, which, I mean, they four and eight still, but they have a ton of helium. He's from Statesboro. He flipped last minute to Georgia Tech. He's a 6'5 edge rusher. We out-recruited Dion in one case. We at least were able to grab him. Coach Brian. He was looking for something. I don't know. But um, he's about a top 600-ish player, 630 in the composite. He had other offers from guys like teams like A&M, Texas A&M, sorry, James Madison, Kentucky, Nebraska, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. He was getting some power five interests. So okay. All right. As for – I had heard his name kind of bandied about – as this is a guy to keep an eye on because Tech has really gone after him. He did officially sign on the dotted line today, and that was running back Anthony Carey out of Tampa. Um, he was He's a big-time running back recruit out of Florida, uh, top 300 player actually in the class. Uh, he had multiple crystal ball predictions, one to Michigan State, a couple to Texas A&M. He had offers from NC State, North Carolina. I think he even had some, some big-time SEC offers, 44 total, if that's a number that impresses you. Um, he, he, Tech made a huge push for him at the end and in the end they got him. Okay. So he is a, one of the top running backs or one of the better he, running backs in the class. He's number 28 according well, to 24 seven. The good news is he will get a chance to make the field because uh, unlike tight end running back, we, we could use more depth. So yeah, it, losing Felix, you've got Evan Dickens from last year's class and then cool. Trey Cooley is a senior and you still got Jamal Haynes. Other than that, it's just it's just basically a free for all down there. Yeah, should be interesting. All right, uh, so we kind of talked about the surprises. Would, would you were there any recruits that you were really hoping would sign early that haven't to this point, or or they flipped away from Tech? So there's one commit that has not signed yet, and that's Treshawn Gibson. At least as of this recording, um, out of Alabama, he's an edge rusher. I'm intrigued by him. He's got the frame that I tend to like on edge rushers, in, in my experience. So we'll see what happens with that. I don't know if he's just waiting a little bit longer. The other one was recent news. Kobe Young, the wide receiver out of New yeah. Orleans, he decommitted and signed today with Houston. Okay. So I was at least – I liked the speed on Kobe Young. I thought he had a chance to be a really good slot receiver, kind of be the next guy after Malik Rutherford, um, kind of join Eric Singleton. And in this class, pair with Isaiah Kanayan – and really be a great one-two punch on the outside. I was disappointed to lose him. Uh, all the other ones have been kind of decommitted for a while. Um, I liked Marcus Downs out of South Carolina. I thought he had a chance to be a people mover on the inside, but he decommitted like a couple months ago. Okay. So 
Other so, than that. So nothing today, which was, oh, it looked like they were going to get him and he flipped. So there was nothing like the only that one last is minute. The only one is Trajan Greco, who is yet to sign. He is signing January 6th, as we said last show. That's, okay. that's If you can pick him up as well and like kind of get him back, that's a this class looks even better. Interesting. All right. So uh, I will get out of the way, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, get your pens and papers or save this recording. Joshua is going to go through basically the list uh, and tell you about all the different recruits. I uh, We won't do a full bio on everybody, but he will certainly have tips and tidbits and diamonds in the rough to tell us about the 2024 transfer and freshman class of the Georgia Tech football team. Take it away, Joshua. Well, for the freshmen coming in, I mean, we've covered most of them. When they committed on the show, I would talk about them. So I'm just going to give you the names. If you really want to look into them, go to 24-7. They do fantastic work on the scouting. They'll have bios, offer lists. Ramblinrec.com also has an article where it gives the entire list. Absolutely. So you're looking at the highest rated guy in the class is Luke Harpering, the legacy guy. He has gotten a ton of helium in the last couple months. Um, Troy Stevenson out of Charleston, South Carolina. He's a cornerback, sorry. Wide receiver Isaiah Kanayan, the Notre Dame flip. Anthony Carey. Offensive tackle Kai Greer, who we, they picked up a week or two ago. Um, Amontari Badford. Uche Elo, a defensive lineman. Linebacker Jordan Boyd. And offensive tackle Jordan Floyd. Those are my two favorite back-to-backs. Boyd and Floyd. Boyd and Floyd. I like that, um, too. I hope they play together. Tackle Jamison Riggs. Uh, D-tackle Landon Marshall. Uh, quarterback Aaron Philo and quarterback uh, Graham Knowles both signed, so that's two quarterbacks in this class. That's going to be intriguing to watch. Graham Knowles is that we all we've talked about Philo, and here in Georgia, people know him. He set some records, but that guy out of Texas, Graham, he's like six seven. Yeah, like and he was like an all star. Yeah, he was some kind of. I he saw won some his conference. List. I saw some list. He's a top twenty quarterback in the class. I thought twenty four seven has him fifty three. ESPN has him a lot higher than twenty four seven does. Um, it he's depends intriguing. on what you're looking at, but at, it's it's going to be a battle between those two guys to see who's next up after by the hands and pirate. He was a two year all district uh, basketball player. If uh, <laughs> Damon wants to get some more size. Uh, so then you also got wide receiver Trey Horn, uh, interior offensive lineman Harrison Moore, Graham Knowles' teammate, cornerback Nehemiah Chandler, linebacker Caleb Dozier, safety Christian Pritchett, linebacker Taj Butler, who's out of New Orleans, had a lot of power five teams after him and late in the process, or late riser. Running back Trelaine Maddox, safety Cedric Franklin, tight end David Prince, and interior offensive lineman Santana Alutupola. So, IMG. so the thing I noticed about the freshmen when I looked at the list, um, you know, everybody wants to talk about five stars. We don't have any five stars. No, because uh, there's only we, like 20. We only had a couple of four stars, right? Yeah. But what I noticed from the incoming freshmen, there's a lot of three-star, good, solid look, you know, building and, block. Let's see what they become. And a lot of it is it's like kids that are tooled up. Yeah. So it, it's kids that – like Christian Pritchett, for example, he's like 6'2", 6'3", at safety. He's got long arms. Same thing with like Nehemiah Chandler outside at corner. He's got really long arms. They're getting athletes that could compete at this level. You just got to kind of bring them along a little yeah. bit in the development. The other thing I noticed, a lot of linemen. A lot, yeah. of, they, a lot of linemen and linebackers. Beefing up. Yeah, so they are definitely wanting to work on the trenches, which is okay. All right, Which is a good portal. thing because they lost a lot of <laughs> linemen in the transfer portal. Granted, linemen uh, who weren't playing, but yes. linemen who were this year's freshmen or 
sophomore. So the names to mention, um, there were about four or five from the 2023 freshman class. Uh, a lot of kids that didn't play at all. And I think they looked at the board and said, I'm probably not playing this year. I might not play next year as well. So we're going to go somewhere else where I can play. And that would be uh, defensive lineman Bryston Dixon, interior lineman Elias Cloy, defensive lineman Malcolm Pugh, linebacker Ashton Heflin, edge rusher Ezra Odenjor, and um, from the year before, tackle Tyler Gibson, who was the brother of quarterback Zach Gibson, who also is. who is now a grad transfer. He did refer to himself as a tech man on Twitter. So he was very it, – it's one of those so things. So he graduated. He graduated. He is now – he's a grad transfer. Um, hey, he, he's we, going to – I have nothing bad to say about yeah, Mr. Gibson. He so. did everything we asked him, and I he was like, it. I got one more year. Let's let's go play. Sure. Um, the other ones, two Clemson guys that had come in from the portal in back-to-back years, guard Paul Chow, tr- struggled with injuries, never really – got um his opportunity to play um and then lineman etanoso rubin a defensive lineman he was in the rotation he kind of got in and out but with biggers and horace lockett and makia scott all coming back he kind of read the room a little bit there so this is going to be interesting you know we are still in a little bit of the wild west time of college football with the transfer portal without nil and all these things i think it's going to be i think you're going this is this is indicative. A lot of people who came in last year who got no playing time, they've got the one free transfer. And so, well, I, get, I better get moving. I better get going. Um, I wish it weren't that way, but this is going now. I'm sure there were freshmen. There are other freshmen who came in last year who didn't get a lot of playing time who are staying. Yeah, so Jacob Cruz, Nakari Ashley, there's plenty of them. Yeah, so it's 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 part of the reality. And some of it were those kids, I distinctly remember Bryston Dixon was like a late flip. Yeah. It was like he got the head coaching job and kind of tried to grab who he could when he was there. So I, this is also might just be kind of, he had like three weeks to really recruit. Yeah. And now this class that he's getting now is more his guys. I think also on top of that, I also don't mind saying that, um, listen, for the alum out there, it's just a reality. Some of these kids, it it might be playing time. It also might be that they're like, I want to go somewhere easier on the classes. I mean, it might be a little bit of that. That's that's part of the reality. So we, we wish them well. I don't think anybody's saying anything bad out the door. I don't think anybody's disparaging the program. No, I mean. I'd love to see you him stay, to but you want to get more depth. But, hey, you got to do what you got to do. All right. Bringing kids in. Transfers in. Let's talk there about that. So they did pick up who I think is going to be a new starter. The one lot hole on the offensive line was guard. Connor Scaglione graduated. Well, they went in, and they went to Middle Tennessee State, and they grabbed a two-year starter at offensive guard who has been like a con- all-conference team, I think, back-to-back years. Um, and that is Keelan Rutledge. He had a ton of offers in the portal. A lot of big, big time schools were coming after him, and George Tech was able to secure. He signed today, actually, so he is definitely coming. Um, I wish that they would show his trans. Do they show his transfer offers? Let me. I'm learning a lot of new stuff about 24/7. Give me one second. So he he was a multiple time, um, multiple time, uh, all conference CUS like CUSA um, player. Um, I don't think they're going to show me the offers. At least I can't get to him. He was a multiple-time Conference USA um, all-teamer. All we got you. He's going to be a starter. Um, 
yeah, closing the one hole on the offensive line. They also picked up another tight end, uh, Rylan Goaty, who yeah. is a two-time SEC guy. He started at Georgia, didn't play at all, transferred to Mississippi State, where he got a couple games. He got into most games. He had one catch, um, and now he's coming to Georgia Tech. So, so we have 17 – we're up to 17 tight ends by my count. Well, no, because we're losing Dylan Leonard and, and Luke Benson. So <laughs> him and Jackson Hawes are the replacements. Either way, um, he was a great athlete. He was a pretty highly regarded guy coming out of high school. Just hasn't really put it all together. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the, the other two ones are – well, there's three more. The smaller one is Jack Barton, who's coming over from Furman. Yeah. Um, he's like a multiple-time academic all, – all-academic honor roll kid – um, a grad transfer. He's a grad transfer. Yeah, yeah he, he's put up some good numbers. I think he has about five sacks in his career. He's going to be a rotational guy. I don't expect him to, to be an impact player. The impact players are these next two guys. So the first one is cornerback Saeed Gibbs from Rhode Island. He was a freshman All-American in the FCS. Um, he allowed one touchdown uh, catch on 52 targets, I believe, this year. He was as close to a shutdown quarterback. He was a freshman. First first game action. And now he's coming to Tech. He had big-time programs coming after him. I've, every time you saw an offer sheet from him, it was like Alabama-level teams, like big-time SEC guys. And then the other one is from an SEC school, and that is middle linebacker EJ Lightsey coming from Georgia. Yep. Now, he did not play last year. He was re- rehabbing from injury all year. But in 2022, as a true freshman, he saw playing time. Not a ton. He only had two tackles, but he worked his way onto the field towards the end of the year. And that is incredibly hard to do at a school like Georgia, especially as a freshman. Yeah. So he's a fantastic athlete. Um, he's 6'2", 223. He's like the prototypical middle linebacker nowadays. And he's going to replace because we're losing about three middle linebackers yeah, to graduation. Absolutely. So yeah. I would not be surprised if he's healthy, if he is one of the starters on day yeah. one. I like it. Uh. So are we at the end of the list? We're at the end of the list. All right. So if uh, you want to stick around to the end of the show, we are going to talk about some basketball. But uh, we'll end the show with uh, quickly talking about the Gasparilla Bowl, uh, talking about Tech's uh, bowl chances. We kind of covered it in the last show. And uh, tease of all teases, and Joshua doesn't even know about this tease, I am going to ask him about a rumor that I saw online today about – Georgia Tech, what that might affect Georgia Tech football in a big way. So hang on to the end of the show to hear about that. Oh, oh, ooh, oh. Ooh. All right, time to transition. Let's talk some basketball. We're going to pivot. Ah, pivot. Oh, we miss Matthew Perry. All right, we will pivot to basketball. Let's talk women's basketball first. The Lady Jackets are getting ready to start their ACC schedule. They open up with Florida State. The, the men, of course, play Florida State in a week or two uh, as they've already had one ACC game, so they're going to have their second one. But the women have their first one against Florida State away on the 29th. They are heading into ACC play with an overall record of 9-3. and 6-1 and one at home, 2-1 and one on the road, and 1-1 one and one at a neutral site. They're last couple games, they had uh, on the 2nd of December, they had lost to Nebraska which was their third loss. And since then, they have defeated all three, the, their two home games and one away game. They defeated Mercer 73-60. to They defeated Georgia State 94-70. to And they defeated their version of clean old-fashioned hate by defeating the Bulldogs at 
Stinky Stegman, 64-53. So, the Lady Jackets in women's basketball, they run this state. Because they beat Georgia State, Mercer, and Georgia. They also did have uh, one last home game uh, against USC Upstate, the Spartans from Upper South Carolina, I think is what it's called. So, uh, or University of South Carolina Upstate. So they won 81 to 50, uh, kind of last tune up. They, like I said, they play the 29th against Florida State. Their first home ACC game is against Virginia, Thursday, January 4th. So we wish them all the best heading into ACC play. They're coming into ACC play nine and three, uh, not ranked, but but playing pretty well. Uh, you know, it's it's they're doing what they can do, I think, and we wish them all the best. Absolutely. All right, men's basketball. The men's we basketball. had the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which they don't call it that anymore, but uh, Georgia Tech had a big game in Madison Square Garden. The Mecca. They had it they in the Mecca of basketball. Listen, I was watching that game, and if you're old enough like me, if you're especially if you're an alum, I was just going, how many times did I watch a Big East game on Big Monday on ESPN and watch, you know, Syracuse against Georgetown or St. John's, you know. I, it, it, it made me miss uh, the Big East. So the Big East still exists in basketball. It's not the same. College sports aren't the same, but anyway. Exactly. Georgia Tech did play Penn State in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They did. Um, and Georgia Tech came out ahead 82-81 to 81 in overtime. Now, we're going to get the elephant out of the way so that we can talk about the nitty-gritty. Yes, the call, um, the foul call for Miles Kelly at the end of the game was not a foul. Guess what? There was about 25 other calls in the last five minutes that were probably wrong or at least questionable. <laughs> I believe Kelly Quinlan said it best when he said that was the worst 30 seconds of officiating that I've ever seen in my time covering sports. The most blatant one is within a, a minute before. So two things. Number one, on the last shot of regulation that Penn State took to try and win the game, he missed a shot. But their big man, who had been going over the back and shoving our guys in the back a lot of the game, went dramatically over by Ndongo's pack and there was no call. Now, see, It wasn't game, just over. It was into and yeah. on and around. So there's that. Then in overtime, right before the Miles Kelly phantom uh, foul call, you and I were watching the game together and there was a play where there the Penn State guy went over our back and uh, didn't he tip it and it went off his hand clearly out of bounds. And then they gave bounds, it to them. And yeah, they gave it, was... it to Penn State. So there, there was there was not very good officiating in that game. Which all we're saying in that is it all balanced out. Yeah, it, I would it, say it seemed like Penn State was hand checking a lot, not called. We they let them play. There's no question they let them play, but they were called. It it, it went both ways. Their coach said it best. Where it was like, I think it was an awful call, but I also don't think we should have been in that position to where that call decides the game. So that's what you're supposed tit for tat. Um, but it was a close game throughout. Um, Penn State, it was a, about almost even at half. I believe Tech was up about two. Yeah, 39-37. Um, at one point, Georgia Tech was up by about 10 with 8.30 left in the second half. Um, they went took a 66-56 lead on a Debo Coleman three-pointer um, and then kind of went back and forth. Tech maintained their advantage, and Penn State kind of started easing back and 
and and they grinded back. Well, they they started a full court press. They they, they, they started frantically pressing. Yeah, and, and we did not handle it very well. There were a couple. There were too many turnovers. Yes, that is that is that is a great way to sum it up. But Georgia Tech did have also have a chance to win the game in regulation, but Kowasi Reeves missed the first free throw of um, a two shot chance, and then hit the second to tie the game. Uh, there were various fouls and turnovers and missed shots. Uh, Penn State did kind of bail Tech out at the end of the second half. Their um, go-to play with 15 or 13 seconds left was dribble down, screen, step back three. Yeah, it was with, It was not a good... It wasn't a good screen. It wasn't a good shot. Yeah. So Tech was kind of... I don't want to get bailed out to an extent. But over time, more of the same. It happened that way. And then Tech was able to secure the win with the foul on Miles Kelly as he hit the free throws to put the jackets over the top. Yeah, so the uh, if you'll allow me to do the stats. Notable performers bit, from yeah, Steven. Notable performers. Bayandango had a double-double, 12 points, 19 rebounds. Holy cow. Uh, that was getting over the back all the time. Yep. Good old uh, good old uh, Tafara Gapare. My boy. Showed out. Joshua's player. Played 28 minutes, had 20 points. Career high, Six rebounds. Points. Now, I will say he had 18, I think, in the first half. And he kind of came out in the second half thinking, you know, as as Dom, if you guys watch the Hawks, Dominique loves to say that was a heat check right there. Most of the second half seemed to be a heat check instead of letting the game come to him. Yeah. So uh, but he, you know, he did some things. He played some halfway decent defense. Uh, and Kwasi uh, Kwasi Reeves, uh, 15 points. Miles Kelly had 10 on three of 13 shooting. Miles Kelly, we love you. If you can't figure it out yet, you are getting more support. You don't have to force up so many shots. Uh, I think he did pretty well of he, not forcing a lot, but there were some stretches where he just... He, he was definitely trying to find him, find himself. I mean, he was 0 of 7 from 3, so a lot of those... Were, and they weren't necessarily bad shots. Uh, but in all fairness, nobody was really... Like, Gapare was handling the scoring load, but it was a lot of, at least to get him started... Um, corner threes, catch and shoot. Yep. And then he kind of got into the, oh, I'm going to attack and transition. I'm going to attack off the dribble when they rotate over. Um, so Miles was was trying. He didn't shoot himself. He didn't shoot us out of the game, which was nice. Right. Old Miles might have done that. I yeah. think he showed a lot of maturity and kind of easing back and letting Nate George and Bayan Dongo and well, so, everybody else kind of take the reins. So Miles had 10, and Dongo had 12. Uh, Kowasi had 15. Nate, uh, Nate George had eight points, eight assists. Uh, even, you know, and Dewanga had, had two points. Sturdivant had eight off the bench. Yeah, Sturdivant had eight off the bench. Debo Coleman, 24 minutes off the bench, five points, five rebounds, three assists, you know, one block, eight, no turnover. So, you know, Coleman is really showing up as as a just kind of a glue guy. He and, he and Reeves seem to be the the staples that are holding everybody together doing all and doing like a little bit of everything and kind of whatever yeah. the team needs on certain games and then you're what's what's been enjoyable if you've been watching is it seems to be that there are now legitimately four or five guys that can have a night um or there are three guys that have okay nights and that's going to be enough I, you know, Stoudemire said this early in the season. He said, I, I don't really think the offense is going to be our problem. And so far, this team is showing 
they can put points on the board when, you know, they, they scored 82 in overtime, but they're getting to the seventies, right? They're getting into the seventies fairly consistently. Now, when they've had bad nights against Georgia, they only get 62. And again, I didn't think that was Georgia's defense as much. It was tech just kind of sleeping on offense and Cincinnati was the bad one, but you know, 84, 88, uh, 71, yeah, they had the 67. We did. Win, they did shoot say. 45% from the field, which might be one of the better marks that only 23% from three. The thing that I'm really starting to see, Stephen, is that Georgia Tech is pretty consistently holding teams to under 40% shooting from the field. Yes. Because Penn State was at 39. They did shoot 36% from three. A lot of that was Puff Johnson got hot in the second half, and they did start to knock down threes at that point. Um, and then I, the offense might not be the problem, but the turnovers are not not good. 17 turnovers again. Not a good number. But guess what they balance that out with? 25 assists. And 17 offensive rebounds. Yeah, 48 rebounds, so 17 they are, offenses. They are, man, I tell you what, between Ndongo and Dewana and Tyshawn Claude and then, you know, a lot of it was just, Kelly, just I, they're just yeah, crashing. They crash. They are just there were multiple. Crashing. There were multiple plays where it was like Debo just coming in from the corner and nobody on Penn State boxed him out, and so he just kind of got a free – Free layup. So I tell you what, if you haven't watched this team, uh, they are, so speaking of that, they are now heading to the Diamond Head Classic, which is out in Hawaii. Beautiful Honolulu, Hawaii. Yeah, so their first game is Thursday night, the 21st. Uh, They play at 9 p.m. Eastern, and they play, oops, oh man, I had it. UMass. They play UMass. Ah, they get to avenge the UMass Lowell loss by playing UMass. You got to beat one New England team. Yeah, and then uh, they will play... uh, I believe they if play. You, if you win, you play the winner of Portland and Hawaii. Right. And the other four teams. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not trying to step on your. Please mind. do it. Other four it. teams. I've got the bracket up. Is Nevada? They're playing Temple, and then you've got TCU playing Old Dominion. Now the good news about this tournament is they are going to play three games. They are going to play. Yes. They are going to play Thursday at nine o'clock. They will play Friday, and then they will play Christmas Eve on Sunday. Okay, so you get to you get to watch Tech basketball at a tournament. They'll there will be you know. They can make it to the all the way to the finals. They can play in consolation. They can play in you know, seventh place game, whatever. So there, there's going to be a chance to play three different games, depending on how you do <clears throat> in this tournament and depending on the times that they play. They then get basically a week off, and they will play against Florida State after the new year. So uh, at this current time, the team is standing at – yeah, what was the they're sure six and three. Yeah, six and three overall, one and oh in the conference. Um they they do get a chance. They're they're one and oh in a neutral site. So they are oh and two on the road. We're gonna have to do better than that, but they are five and one at home. So listen, the thriller dome is is on its way back, and they need our support down there during the ACC schedule. Um the ACC is a good league, it is not a dominant league, it is not the best league in, in the country. There are some good teams at the top, uh, but I think there are a lot of teams in the middle that if if they play bad, we can win. If we play well, we can beat them playing well. And if we play bad, anyone in the ACC can beat us. There's no question about that. But if we play our best, we might be able to beat anybody. So it's going to be interesting to watch this team and go through the ups and downs of the ACC schedule. So let's go. let's go show well in the Diamond Head Classic and then see how we do from there. Joshua, time to wrap it up. Let's uh, put a finish. Nice bow on it. Let's in honor of Christmas. Yeah, put a nice bow on it. I have the tease that I have to get to the Gasparilla Bowl. I really don't see anything else we need to add except 
Uh, if you uh, friend of show Stacy pointed out to us, excuse me, sorry, field reporter Stacy yeah, pointed out reporter. to us. She is a friend of the show. She's so. on the payroll. Yeah, exactly. So she uh, pointed out to us that Tech uh, football team really took in their first good practice by going to Bush Gardens down in Florida. So yeah, saw some nice pictures of players doing stuff. They've had some good uh, press conferences, been treated. Also uh, multiple tweets advertising local businesses down there. Good. Hashtag the tech way NIL. There you go. Well done, guys. Uh, do, doing your work. And Appearance in, fees. Exactly. So uh, nothing really left to say except uh, I'm looking forward to watching the game on Friday. We'll get to watch tech basketball. Uh, and football the same night. So Friday, the game's at 6, I believe. Uh, football game's at 6, and then uh, basketball at 9. So should be a nice night uh, watching tech sports. So I hope you guys all watch. And listen, go go beat UCF. And by the way, if you want to tick off UCF, call them Central Florida. They hate that. Uh, I heard that from someone. So, uh, uh, now. Yeah, so you're going to ask me something. Yeah. So, Joshua, uh, one of the Facebook uh, groups that I follow of tech athletics, of, of tech fans, usually where I get my pulse of the people who are complaining or the people who are going, it's okay, you know, uh, the positives and the negatives and just kind of what fans are thinking. So there was a post <laughs> and it was, it had a kind of a link to it. I, I, I didn't know if it was an actual story, but there is a rumor going around that could really affect Georgia Tech football. And that rumor, is that Kirby Smart was spotted in Atlanta, and many believe that he was having a meeting with Arthur Blank to take over the Falcons' head coaching job after Arthur Smith gets fired at the end of this season. Your thoughts? Um, for the Falcons, absolutely, please. Yes, anybody is better than Arthur Smith. Um, there's also a chance that he was just recruiting <laughs> for high school. Wait, was, is this a recruiting day? Is that why? Uh, Potentially, I don't know. So, um, the, so the link said, could this be true? Could this possibly happen? I don't see why he would leave UGA. Then, I mean, he would have to take a pay decrease <laughs> to go to the NFL. I don't know about that. <laughs> but he would have to work with um, – I don't know. I don't see that happening. Why would you leave that gig? Right? Exactly. It's like, oh, Nick Saban's going to go to the NFL. I mean – Well, Nick Saban did. He left the NFL for Alabama. Yeah, and exactly. as a Dolphins fan, I've never forgiven him. Yeah, well. So he's probably he probably called Kirby and said you don't want to do it. So. <laughs> and also, you could just look at the past history of the Atlanta Falcons and go, you don't want to do it. <laughs> well, coaches like challenges. That's uh, why Brent Key and Damon Stoudemire are there, and they are building something. So anyway, uh, if if that turns out to be true for whatever reason, you heard it here first. And, I will uh, buy a visor myself <laughs> if Kirby Smart becomes the Atlanta Falcons, Falcons head coach. Falcons visor. I will buy a Falcons visor and I will style my hair after Kirby. And then if that happens, we will go up to the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons and we will ask Coach Smart this one simple question. And maybe finally he would be able to answer it truthfully to us. And that question is, what's the good word?